This podcast is brought to you by Steed Motor Group, Clare Gawe. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, find out more at steedmotorgroup.ie. So delighted now to be joined by Maris Brosnan to look back in the action in the Galway Senior and Intermediate Hurling Championships uh, over the weekend. Uh, we have round two in both, and there is two intermediate games taking place as well tonight. Caramore uh, and Sidon and Spindle and Ballandarine, they were uh, postponed at the weekend, so they're taking place uh, in Pierce Stadium and Tomb Stadium this evening as we record. But Maris, before we get into the action and everything, what have you made of the Club Hurling Championship as a whole so far? Um, good question. I I've been impressed. I think yeah, I have been impressed. Uh, like but I, there's two sides to this ball. There you went into this. I think we all did with maybe a bit of misgivings about the format, or definitely I don't think anybody was fully convinced that uh, was it cutthroat enough. I fully appreciate the need to, to kind of guarantee gains, but. Uh, it kind of reminded me a small bit of the conversation around uh, the f- new football championship in inter-county format that people didn't know about the, the jeopardy in it. But now you see it and you see the excitement and how, you know, she's definitely group four and group two anyway. And you're looking at the uh, the standings and thinking, yeah, this is this is working. Um, the hurling has been been really good to some very entertaining games. From a fan's perspective, the fact that we're seeing as many games streamed as we are, I think is a great thing. Um, that's been a long-awaited product itself has been has been decent probably a couple of small things that they could improve around it but like overall it's hard to have too many complaints and the complaints I would have a lot of it <laughs> unfortunately isn't isn't fixable like the there's no getting away from the effect of weather last weekend in particular had on Ireland we've done everything right like we got the championship up and running early in the height of August getting them into you know the best what should be the best stadiums in the country or in the county sorry but the weather just especially Friday night was just was just crazy. I met a man today who told me did Crawford change their jerseys at half time from green to yellow. Not they didn't change obviously the colour for that, but just trying to get into a new kit that the the weather itself is is definitely having an impact on the games. But overall the kind of very few complaints. I think the format as it is has, has been working. The games have been good, the hurling has been high quality, there's a lot of really good talking points. So it's hard to have hard to have too many complaints. Yeah, even when I was talking back around one um, with a couple of the lads on the podcast, it was kind of all the kind of favourites that were expected really to win, did win, and there was maybe a few comprehensive victories. But the amount of games last weekend that one team robbed it at the death, it was just like a, a common team really over the weekend. Yeah, and you know, but I, I would be in the, I, I appreciate I'm in the minority about that, but those one-sided res, results, as, as you mentioned, that will always happen. And, and it's kind of why, uh, in my opinion, just, just speaking from my perspective, it's why the championship format was kind of had to change. We had to go to 16 teams because you know, I just I fully appreciate the honour and status that comes with being a senior club and how much that means to a side. But at the end of the day, that gulf is not good for a competition. If you can if you can tighten that as much as possible, I think that's that's a good thing. So that's why I like the fact that, you know, I, I personally, I did the idea of getting to 16. I thought that was a good idea. It was a worthwhile endeavour. Um, I do think that as you mentioned a couple of results in the first week and you know you look at the score difference of clubs like my colour and maybe and maybe that doesn't lead to creating the idea that it's as competitive as you would like it to be but then on the flip side as you mentioned then when you've got games like or even just you know dra- drama drama within games like the, the Castlegar game now for example or um, even Friday night like the, the Torlock Morn Gorton how that closed out you can't help but be but captivated by that and I suppose to a certain extent you, you know you're, you're at the mercy of the games you see obviously within that that if you had seen maybe 
if you're at the Lockray game, for example, I'm sure you're looking at this and thinking, were games really as competitive as, as you want them to be? Uh, but but by and large, yeah, I think last weekend in particular did deliver. Yeah, really, it was only really the Lockray result, maybe the Thomas's result, I should say that there was one-sided games here. Just a question that came in before we get into the matches uh, from one of the followers on Instagram. They put a question um, to the Instagram page of who has been uh, the club hurler of the year so far for you. Has there been one in particular that's stood out? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, uh, I'm, so I'm not, I, I'll impose my own rule. I won't pick an inter-county player. I, I, a guy who I think should be an inter-county player, let's, let's go this way. He's not a, he's not a Shefflin hurler maybe, but... Uh, you know, and this is, look, I'm saying nothing new here. I appreciate that too. But you watched Jamie Ryan's performance last weekend and just the, like the the wizardry, the absolute wizardry of the way he plays and how in sync he is with the, the entire team. I thought he was, oh, I just thought he was a men's pod. Like, I, I think he, he he makes the team tick. He's so, and he, you know, he wasn't, I'm not saying he was perfect. There was one series, especially in the second half, he was, oh, geez, he was bearing down the throat and he dropped a hand pass just behind him. And you were thinking if he was away there, there was a, there was a huge chance. But uh, he's just the guy who, I love watching him hurl. I absolutely love how he knits the team together. I love how he sees a pass. That little flick, I think the stream sport called it a samba flick on uh, on Twitter, which is which is a good line. Like I, I yeah, he's just a guy who he's he's absolutely electric. The hurl. Um, if I wasn't ruling out intercounty pairs, Darren Morrissey for me was, oh, he's just he was immense. It must be such a luxury to be able to drop an intercounty pair like that into the, the corner, but. Um, yeah, I think for me, one of the great joys for Galway Club hurling is getting to see someone like. Jamie Ryan up close, so I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, Jamie Ryan was obviously non tugging really all year for Galway. He got he got a hamstring injury. It set him back, but he's one of those players, of anyone who's been on the podcast who's talked about Jamie Ryan, he's like completely off the script to like what a Galway forward is. Yeah, and I, you know, to a certain extent, I wonder, does that, uh, to, to, does it go against him to a sense? I do think Jamie Ryan flourishes because the system, because the system that's around him too, like they're, they play the way Lock Ray play is in sync with what they want him to do. So you can see that with, you know, you watch how well guys kind of knit it together. I don't know, would, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. Would the likes of the Carries or Jamie Ryan stand out in other clubs if they're, you know, if, maybe if you're trying to compete in different terms? Like these aren't, these are not guys who, with the greatest respect in the world now, they're great athletes, but they're not going to compete, you know, physically with a lot of players, but they absolutely flourish in the system that they're in. And and even, it's just it's the small things that he does like the so you know the there's obviously there's the headline scores and his ability running with the ball which is brilliant but it's just small little how often he is the player who instigates you know the triangles getting them out of trouble how he drops into that pocket just in front of the the back six so if a ball goes in long which a lot of, you see that still in in Galway in a bit that teams are playing out long and so immediately that's your chance to kind of rebound you know your counter if you go long in top of the right and the first outlet the guy there who's willing to go and you know. It, instigate that transition is so often Jamie Ryan and this is back you know he could drop he drops deep to get on that and he still is able to contribute at the top end of the field so his his vision is is amazing like you can see passes that a lot of players other players can't see he's just yeah he's he's the type of hurler that you you love watching him specifically I met a man there recently who was telling me that um for the Kerry County Championship one of the ideas they've been talking about is to have this is a legitimate idea is to have a Clifford cam just a camera on Clifford because people love watching him specifically and Jim Ryan is kind of that player for me. He's the kind of guy who would nearly go to a game and just watch Jim Ryan specifically to see how he how he ties in uh, again. Because we're obviously touching on Jim Ryan, we'll, we'll go to the Lockwood Gray game on Saturday. Uh, just obviously because we're talking about how Jim Ryan has been flourishing in this uh, Lockwood Gray system. Like Lockwood Gray, Cappy, 
was the game in this group, obviously, while Colin and Kilkenyron aren't at that level, really, to no. com- compete with those two teams. It was a game, I know Capitania lost two or three players this year to travel and different bits and pieces, but it was a game you expected kind of a local derby to be um, close. And anyone who's been on the podcast, it's tipped Lock Ray for the county title. And it's fair to say that was a real statement on uh, Saturday. Yeah, you know, the if you were the armchair analysis was you watch a game like that and you know anything, are they going too well? Like this is <laughs> you know, at, at this time of the year they're geez, they're absolutely flying and you think back to where the county final replay was played at the end of November last year, wasn't it? The twenty seventh yeah. of November, I think. So um but yeah, I mean I can't add too much. The only thing about that though, but what was interesting for me, right? And maybe this is like like Ray's principle of play summed up for me was a spell, I think around you know uh, in and around, I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but around the 20 minute mark, there was 6 5. It was a close, close game. You know, there was, there wasn't too much from, and then Lockray got a free, tapped that over. And then I don't know if you remember, Joe Mooney hit incredible points. Like, geez, that the, the point on his right hand side, right in front of the stands, you know, straight over the black spot. And then, you know, there's an attack and it breaks down, there's another attack, it breaks down, and there's a long ball pumped in on top. Do you remember the one on top? But it's going towards Lean Collins, and, um, and Kerry gets out in front, breaks the ball. And if you just watch that point, it ends with a Dylan Shoxley shot from the the half forward line. Watch the way like Ray work out the ball there. Like that is how they work it through the lines, the little triangles they make. It's it's Kerry, Johnny Cohen giving a one-two, breaking out, not you know, head down. He's his head as he's receiving the ball, you can see you can actually see his you know his head up vision scanning, sees Shoxley coming, always has you know two or three options at the shoulder, pops the ball, the Shoxley in the wing who nails this you know ridiculous point and Suddenly, then they're, they're nine points up, they're ten points up. They're really pushing. You can actually notice a lot of the times. One of the things about, uh, and we, we might turn to this team later. Like even when Capital, when they're shoot, like sometimes the points they got, they got some ridiculous scores, but they're from range. Like you are, you Ocean Finn had an amazing point. Michael Galvey actually had a shot that just you know it was inches between going over the crossbar. Keep gets hands up to pluck it out, but that immediately because you're against Lock Ray, if you're not hitting it dead, you're in trouble because they will work that ball through each line and. <laughs> The reason I'm kind of stressing this, Paul, you know, like full disclosure, like I, it was a, it was a team for me after Galway played Limerick. There was a lot of people who looked at that game and said, talked about Galway hurling, and I'm talking nationally now, and questioned the character of that team, questioned their, you know, their stomach, their spirit, their heart, that all this kind of, and with the greatest respect in the world, I think that's total nonsense. I think it's Mignor, I put no stock in that. I was at that game. That's not what I saw. What I saw was a team who struggled to react to a, an adjustment, a mid-game adjustment, where a half-forward line retreated slightly deeper, you couldn't go along with your pocket anymore, and you had to be able to work it through the line. That's, you had to, you had to, and right until the last minute of Tom Monaghan's point, they, did, they didn't do it. That was the only time they did it in the game. That's what I saw from the goal. Yeah. And the reason that was so frustrating for me, watching that, or the reason that a lot, I think a lot of people would take issue with that, is because... Watch a team like Lachray and watch how they can work the ball through the lines. Watch how well coached they are. There's players that can do that. That is the Galway hurling has that capability to mix it that way to move move to the lines. And Lachray are the, the perfect testament to that. You watch that point that I mentioned, and they did it the whole way through. Like they have such an incredible ability to to work that score. To play, and you know, they McManus will come back, Oshin will come back, and they'll be able to play it long if they need to. But my point is that they can mix it both ways. Yeah, and it's kind of actually similar to Limerick. Gerald Lochnan is actually he's vital to that Lockray system. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That particularly that Galvey, the shot I mentioned. You know, if you 
again, just a small little thing that, like, as a, if you're, I'm sure you were the same, but when you were growing up and you gained that after coming to your school, the one thing they're always talking about was like head up, like scanning. And it's a really hard skill to learn. But the exact same thing, like as soon as that goal keeps catching the ball, it's he's looking, looking, all he wants to do is find an option. It's never, have you ever seen him put his head down and lump a ball? Like not know what he's doing with it. He's always so considered with, with how he's, and I mean, that's before he even gets started on his podcast. I'm talking about from play here. So yeah, he's, you're right. He's totally integral to it. And everything about Lockbridge, just, you know, you're, you're sitting in the sand, you're looking down in front of you and John Conlon is there with a little notebook writing notes. And you're thinking, what is this guy bringing to this head up? Like this one of the, to me, the all-star centre-back this year is, is, is there on the line. A guy like Gavin Carey, who like by all accounts is just a, a really highly regarded coach. Who, a guy who's currently in actually for the, he's, it's been confirmed, he's, he's a contender for the, the 20s job. who's worked with Camogie in the past. A really kind of a high-level coach. Who, as The evidence is there right in front of you that he can coach the game to be played this way. So, yeah, all, like, as I say, <laughs> the only thing you could possibly go against him, and this is real kind of bars to his stuff is are, are they actually going too well for this time of the year because everything else it's, it's hard to be causing yeah Gavin Keery obviously he worked with uh, Dublin and Clare previously Clare, but yeah. how much of a boost is it because I was only putting the question on the football podcast of how much of a boost would it be to have Jack McCaffrey if it's all to but even a player like Conlon how much of a boost is it to have him involved with a club team uh, that's for, so um, okay, so so I, I'll answer that question in two days. Firstly, the the idea of just getting in um, a high level, a big star into a club, I don't think that has struck anymore. I don't think it works. Okay. I, I I don't think the the star this idea of star appeal isn't. I just don't. I don't think you know a lot of you go into clubs now, Paul. They're all mixing with very talented intercounty players already. Like how much more, with the greatest respect in the world, how much more allure or this idea that they're all going to be an awe when somebody walks in to dress them. I I, I don't fully buy that but crucially John Conlon is not just about being John Conlon it's how much of an intelligent fella he is how much of a, a smart hurler you can see that in his evolution in his own game from uh, from the forest to the backs a couple of years ago I interviewed John Conlon about this, uh, how what it takes to play as a sweeper in hurling and this was I was on a podcast I did years ago and the breakdown he gave like I, I can still remember it vividly just how much, how good a reader of the game he was, how honest he was. He was actually, at the time, he was he was criticising, is not the right word, but he was analysing Park Walsh and what he was doing for Kilkenny. And he, he made like a couple of small points, like watch this goal back, look how, you know, you don't ever want a sweeper competing with a, with a fullback and a full forward, for example, and behind him, because he's the one who's supposed to be there on the break. Like he's supposed to be covering, you know, you don't want him too deep because if he's too deep, all he's doing is be concerned about goals and then pick your parts with points. Like you want to be able to clog that, that strike, find that middle ground. He just gave a really detailed breakdown. And from that, that one conversation alone, everything I know about John Connell, I'd say he's an incredibly intelligent fella. He's got a very good grasp of what it takes to, to be an inter-county hurler in terms of you know, looking at how he came back from his ACL and effectively rebuilt his body. So all of that stuff, I think, is, is invaluable. It's a, it's a huge addition. Yeah, we're not too sure either exactly what John Collins' full role is. I don't think anyone from Lockray is going to tell you either. <laughs> That's uh, a fact. Uh, but like, it could just be a match day thing because presumably he's, he's still playing with his club, like in Clare. Like, so you just wonder how he's man managing this all. But it's it's, it's something else. But just on the Lockray management team, it, it's actually you talk about how good they are and everything. But I think there's something like ten people involved in the full back team, like the. They're obviously all intelligent, but there has to be a serious amount of delegation there between between all of them. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so uh, I I don't know. Like I I saw I know I I saw a couple of people talking about that. Uh, I put it I put it up on Twitter and somebody tuning back have they enough selectors and like if you think about a club if if, if I say to you tomorrow Paul I want you to take over a club right and you immediately the first thing you're thinking about is like, I need we need I need a coach I need a couple of selectors I need logistics people like and you know who's gonna fill the water bring the cones if you need a camera set up the camera all that kind of kind of stuff so you're immediately talking about four or five people there and then you're talking about you know you, you definitely need a physio. A lot of clubs now also need a doctor. So that's another two people you need. <laughs> well, I'm obviously going to say this. I think you need an analyst. Like, so you need, you know, suddenly then you're talking about, like, we're seven or eight bodies deep. And all that graded was listed them all. Like, go through the list there. They have, like, you know, they have their doctors and they have their, their medical, medical and they have everybody all listed. The, the, the only thing they did is not, you know, as I, as you mentioned there, they didn't list what all their roles are. But I would say if you were, if every club was honest and listed every single person who was involved in some capacity, I'm, I'm not saying now, you know, like everyone who's gives them a dig out with the small stuff, but everybody who's involved across the board, I'd say a lot of clubs would end up on on similar numbers. So I don't know is it necessarily the one thing is just from a coaching perspective. You mentioned, you know, Gavin, Tommy Kelly actually would have been involved with Claire previously. So would have Kelvin in a in a strength conditioning capacity. So from that perspective, Shane Cusack is in there as well, another good coach. So they have the that blend there too. But I don't think you know you see this big long list of names like wow. But when you actually delve into it, I think it's it's pretty normal. Yeah, it's actually a point whenever you talk about it because even if you look at most clubs, there's having the hidden ball. Just before we go away from this match, just kind of two things. And Lock Ray still like are they, are they favorite for you now to win the Tom Callan? And like where do you just after that then where where did Cappy go from here? Um are they favourites? Uh I I I don't know. I like it's look, it's a two horse race. I mean, not just in, from a bookie's perspective, but in, in in a lot of people's heads too. But um I think it would take it's so hard to write off a club like Thomas's until they're beat. Like until they until it actually happens. Uh and you know, like this this talk has been around for a long business. They have just you know, really admirable spirit and a remarkable ability to to dig it out. And when you talk they were you thought they were buried the first day in the first one. Uh, but the draw final last year, you know, go back to, to that game. Um, so I'm not, I'm not as convinced as other people are that Lock Ray are that step ahead. I think it's neck and neck between the two. Like they're, you know, right going stride for stride. Um, so I, if like if I think you you want me to, if I still I don't know Paul. I I still I'm if you ask me for a winner, I'm still kind of leaning towards St Thomas's, but just purely because of look at the bank of history that has to count for for something. Um. So and I look. I mean, I think like you know, like Ray Cummins have done everything right. But right now, after two group games, I'm not straying too much from that. And then, yeah, look on the flip side, the other part of your your question, um, I think you just have to you have to be honest about the nature of this championship and the fact that there are teams who are a good step ahead. And you know what St Thomas will have done to clubs in the past, like they you know Portumna have, have fallen victim to that previously as well. Not, I'm not just talking about you know over the last couple of years. I think you just have to. Internalize it, like compartmentalize what it, it is, what it is. These two teams are at a really high pitch right now, and it's just about not letting that roll. Like, not you know, you can't let it slide. Say exact same principle you would have in a game about not letting one mistake lead to another mistake. You supply that to a loss. Like, don't let that loss bleed into what's coming. So, I think that's the it's it's a psychological challenge rather than um rather than a tactical one. Is Cappy's challenge physically up front because you look at a lot of their forwards, you've Niall Collins, Liam Collins, Gemini, and all. Unbelievable hurlers, but 
maybe just in the last year or two have they lost maybe because like Damien Joyce is obviously a huge physical player Massive, he yeah. used to have but have they, lo- have they lost a bit of that do you feel? Um, I don't like yeah uh, so part of it is about playing to those players strengths too like you know with the, with the so like someone asked someone the ball that was in on top of especially you know Liam Collins I don't think necessarily the fir- very first ball he got one out in front was foul for a free, and you think right, that's that's good. Is out, but you know, a ball out in front, but it has to be. It's a particular type of ball, and you're kind of trying to work yeah. by midpoint and then hit him rather than. That's the one thing about like Ray. I know I, I said this earlier as well. I was trying to make the point that because of the way they move and run the ball so quickly, if you put aimless ball against a team like that, that's a launch pad. You're that's actually you're you're suddenly you're you're so vulnerable. I mean, you know, there's there's certain teams. I'll actually, we, we can talk about this team in a second because the game that was screaming out to me about this was the Castellari game. But, like, Sean O'Donnell is a Limerick analyst and I've, I've heard him talk. He's a really intelligent guy, Limerick early analyst. And Sean often would say, the team who shoots most wins. The team, so this is a really simple principle. That's why, you know, you can hear talk and this is and this is real talk. Like, this this talk that is actually within the rest of them too about trying to hit 40 shots in a game. If you can hit 40 shots, that, that's a big thing for them. Now, there's a caveat to that. They don't care about whites because that's a chance to reset and then they can launch a repad. But if you poke it short, that's a killer. Go back to the Munster final for the Clare game. The wise is what kill them. It's poking the ball into Nicky Gray's hands. We just mentioned it precisely with Lockray. You can't poke a ball into and because that's when you're slightly open. They're so methodical. They won't give the ball back there. They will put it dead and you're vulnerable in those circumstances. So that, rather than, I don't think it's necessarily about, oh, we need to put a big giant on the edge of the square and lump ball on that. I think it's a more subtle thing that it takes time. And I'm sure Lachray, like Lachray aren't playing this way because of a couple of weeks work. This is months and months of, you know, r- really methodical coaching to get to a level where you're comfortable enough to win a ball in your own full back line and try and take a man on or try and run it out from there that you're not, you know, you don't have the tendency to, to just poke the ball away. Like that, that stuff doesn't happen overnight. Just then in the other game in that, group, um, Kilkenar and Mike Cullen. That was a game, I'd say, both teams have really looked at since the start of this year. Obviously, three coming out of the group, it probably just, well, there's still probably a chance for Mike Cullen, but realistically, it probably just secures Kilkenar's place now into the knockouts. Because like, both them teams see that group like it, it, was, it, was, it was a difficult challenge for them all along. Yeah, that's the reality, Paul. Yeah, that's just the team we're going back to at the start and that maybe, and I would stress too, by the way, you know, as much as there was, there's some justified criticisms of a format. If you were to go to what people, some, some people wanted in terms of, you know, a, a two out or whatever, that doesn't fix this problem. Like that, you, this is just, this is just competitive sports. Like there are teams, there are going to be, if we going to end up in a situation where you've got two reasonably strong clubs and two clubs who are, who are a good bit ahead. It was probably, it was unfortunate from what we call it, the way the fixtures fell in terms of starting with what was arguably your, your hardest game. You know, it, it just that team we're talking about there in terms of how teams can, can tend to slide. I think that's that's a frustration. So, yeah, I wouldn't, like, I don't know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't overreact to the nature of that. Sometimes it's just the way, the, you know, the way the cards are dealt. My colleague with injuries too, like, um, Phil McDonough has, uh, he's a huge player for them. He's went through a uh, couple of injuries, but like it's it's a huge result there, really for Kilkenny, and um, it puts them right back into the mix now. And they're, they're going to look to build because obviously last year they had a couple of injuries too. But just on that, you referenced um, Castlegar and uh, Sarsfields over the weekend. 
Sanchez were really predicted to come out of this group comfortably enough um, to everyone, but it puts it puts this group, it makes this group like really, really intriguing now. Because if you look at the table at the minute, you have Arjahan on three, Sanchez on two, Dazagar on two, and Crowell on one. So like nobody is technically qualified yet. It's it's really open, but just on Casagar's stunning uh, Sanchez this weekend. Obviously, everyone's aware of the clip that went out with Kevin Brady from the podcast about Casagari's soft mentality. Maybe it's given them a bit of motivation now, but like they really have, like, but in, in the general goal of Ireland public, they really have got criticism in the last few years. But like, it's a huge result then for them to stun Ashes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Maybe there's something to be said for that. I think um, Dave Collins has some harsh words from. Mellows on the radio last week as well that seemed to have registered a small bit, I think. Um, so, yeah, maybe there's something to be said for, <laughs> um, for the call-outs. <laughs> um, this was a this was an interesting game. This was a, uh, a really interesting game. I saw, look, I'm not, I'm not working at these games, which, I, I mean, is part of the joy of, of actually being able to just watch, sit down and watch games from a, you know, you're not heading a laptop trying to file together a match, but you can just watch a game for, for what it is. But, I did start taking notes during this game because it was in that team, this idea that I'm getting at about uh, shots. Both of these teams were, you know, I, I was just, I'm looking at my, my notes here. Sarsby was, it, 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 it like, you know, actually started pretty well. We're 5-2 up. Uh, but, crucially, at that stage, Casagari got enough 10 shots, if you include the two that went short. Greg had a, a line ball as well. I don't remember that. Just a, a sideline that he just rifled it in, but it, it dropped short. So I, I'm going to include that as a shot for the purposes of this. But so they still. It was, the, it was the younger players, though, wasn't it? Craig Thomas, Sean Neary, these these fellas stepping up. Yeah, ex- big, yeah, well, big time. And I'll return to that in a second. But just from a, from a principal player perspective, the fact that you're getting off shots isn't necessarily a bad thing. Those short ones are, are kind of a killer. But going back to this idea, if you're going to rifle a goal, you need to be put in bed. And if you're not put in bed, you need a break to go your way. That's what you need. You need uh, a long ball into the edge of the square to break kindly. You need, you need, you need, that's the only thing that's going to pay off for in a situation like this. And it's just ironic that, you know, on the flip side of that, when Sarsfield hit 13 points, I was just looking at my notes, they also had 13 wides on top of that. But did, a ball didn't break kindly for them. Whereas that goal, O'Callaghan's goal, that's just, that's the classic example of what I'm talking about. Like that is a ball, a slight mistake in a fullback line. A brilliant hand, Thomas's hand pass there, by the way. Gee, like, what a just to see that runner to a big, you know, kind of loopy ball hand pass straight up as a goalkeeper's coming turning around over the line. And suddenly you've got a goal and you've got that break. And now that's so the fact that you were rifling shots, even though they were you know, they were down, as I say, at the start of the game, that's that that was that wouldn't be a major concern because you're still getting shots off, you're still creating chances, is the point I'm trying to make here. You're not, you know, so they're still they're still in the game from a from an analysis perspective, you know, if you were looking at the data, you would say we're not like we're not too far away here. And on the flip side, and like you know, the goal, the, like Sarsby score a goal because it's again, it's a they throw Joe Cooney up there, they win a free, and it's a really well hit a free, but it's probably coming too late. But there was that spell when you know they're, I think so they're three points down. I'm, I think I'm right in saying, and then they get three frees in a row. They score two, they miss the, the final free, and then there's just a really bad spell of wides there when the momentum is starting to go against them, which, again, it comes from, like, Joe Cooney, who has an incredible strip tackle. Like, they sticks out to her, it's an unbelievable tackle, but two kind of long-range wides that they're not sustainable shots, I would say, and both of them go wide, and now you're starting to panic. And the flip side, the ball goes up to, to Greg Thompson in the corner, and this is just a long, direct ball. This Again, ball breaks kindly. He's actually, just, 
there's a goal on there realistically like that that shot that it, when you know they're a point up there probably is a goal on there but she probably takes the what did they call it the the smart option is it or whatever uh the general option. Is here, and the safe option yeah and um and puts it over and but that letting that point slip there so like from a I don't I wouldn't be worried from a sensitive sector or, no or just, uh, I don't know I don't think so like the fact you you know as I said there that you're you you've ninety percent of the work is there like you've done you you've committed you've conceded a goal which okay you can say it was a mistake but how sustainable is if teams are going to be pumping ball into your full back line and hoping that it breaks kindly that's not going to last like so I wouldn't necessarily be be too worried about that they've got you know young Cosgrove jeez like I was very impressed by by uh, John up, up top uh, especially when he was in close to goal I think he, he's an excellent hurler the spine of the team is very very solid I wouldn't be worrying about that so I don't think it's like I from as from a perspective you're just judging that looking at that from a from a key metrics whatever you want to call it I don't think it's it. There was anything overly glaring. And did you have you see something different from classic area that you haven't seen before? Uh no, not really. Like, like that's a good question. I I wouldn't have said so. I did think that one thing that was interesting. Watch just again eyes in the field. The amount of times when classic had nobody in their foot forward line, so they were you know withdrawing a lot of bodies kind of deep to try and hog up that space and that's partly why it can be very when they do, a team does that to you that's maybe why the tendency is to do what Sarsfield did and kind of shoot from range and try and you know try and chip it off and who's to say like on another day on, with better weather we're going back to that team again we've seen Joseph Cooney nail those shots a bunch of times before I thought actually that it was it was kind of noticeable how um, especially Ian, Co- Ian Fox in the middle was trying to they were trying to you know, get 10 yards further like they're were, they were getting to that certain level and there's a lot of bodies there and they were looking for that just one more pass to try and get inside and sometimes maybe that did, didn't necessarily work but I don't think like nothing drastic from a, from a style perspective same you know, it's the old rivals like I could come on here and I could lodge Jeff Arher and don't get me wrong I'd, like I mean if you want me to do it I'd, I'd gladly do it but the, the players like that kind of stepping up clutch as I mentioned, that goal was a huge moment. The way they closed it out was was even clever. Even I would actually argue, I, again, the free, like Kevin Cooney's free, was, was amazing. But the, how resolute Castlegar were in terms of we're not going to be we're not going to be broken down here. Like you're not going to go past us. That even you know the 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 intelligence, the foul in situations like that, I thought showed a, a good bit of fortitude, maybe or <laughs> or character. Um, but yeah, no, like n- nothing. I wouldn't have said they, you know, they pivoted massively and started doing something completely different here, no? Yeah, like if if you're looking at games already for in the early next weekend, I just think Ardran and uh, Sarsfield, Johnny Glynn's going to be back for that round for Ardran. It's just such a game to look forward to. That Ardran Cropwell game, uh, the other game in Group 4, so it's Ardran obviously sitting top and Cropwell bottom at the minute, but that Ardran Crawwell game when I was talking about it with Franny Ford and, and Liam Dunhu uh, last week, we were kind of all saying that this could easily be a draw. And then you have Tom Mullins shot, which the umpire puts up, and then there's all this confusion. It was just a real tight, niggly, proper derby like between these two. And yeah, and I think, yeah, like, I, I, you know, there's no, there's no, that's what we kind of want. Like, you want to, you know, that's exactly what you're, what you're shooting for. But I would stress, like, that. Just to double back to, to your point, so you can't you can't fall into the trap here, right? Of, um, of all this kind of hindsight stuff. Saying in hindsight, this format is great or it's not great. But you're looking at that group, like you know, to have four teams, three 
Am I right in saying it's three points, two points, two points, one point? That's the way that... Uh, um, yeah, I yeah, think but I, I think... have only got a draw, yeah. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, Sarasville's obviously in Cascadia have only got a win and then are yeah, and three top. So, like, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that is, uh, that's incredibly exciting. Like, there's not, you know, that, what's still on the line there is is brilliant. And I don't know if you can say that's just pure luck in terms of the four teams that were drawn together or, like, I'm not necessarily crediting the format, but my point is that sometimes we don't necessarily need to complain. Like, we just you can take a second and review the stuff Wait on right. It's okay to say I'm not really sure about this format or what we're doing here, and we can revise it all down the line. And for now, just enjoy it for what it is, which will be a very, very exciting final group of games. Yeah, no, um, it definitely is. We were kind of saying at the start, uh, when we were doing the power angles with Jeff Linsky, like he was coming to the point here that he really thinks Aradran are someone who can cause an upset along the way this year. Yeah, and how much is that about who's coming back? Yeah, well, Johnny Glenn obviously does help it, but they've they they have looked really good the last day, and like there was opportunities for them to win it the last day as well. Yeah, Crowell as well, like Tom Moran was just outstanding for them. Adrian Prendergast as well, one nine as well at the weekend for Crowell. I, I yeah, I, I I think there's like I, it's kind of become a team of what I'm talking about here. So I I'll go back to it again. What Johnny Glenn gives you in terms of the ability to play it both ways, that if you need to, if you go along against a team, right, if you can just poke a team long, you go along to go short. So if, if you consistently go along, uh, and again, another team actually kind of favour a long poke, I wouldn't necessarily go. That was one noticeable thing for me, actually, uh, just to go back to that, the sense with Cascagar game, the one slight thing was, uh, you know, Cascagar were willing to, to go short. And even... No, like just you know, like Dolan and Hines on on Sarsfield side, they actually were willing to to play the ball out if they needed to, like to to to, to go short. So it, when you're, but sorry, the point I'm trying to make there is when you're going long, if you're consistently going long, if you've got a guy like Johnny Green to, to aim puckers out, immediately you just force the opposition to come back like ever so slightly to, to come back. And what that does then that allows you to go short if you can now, obviously. But if you can go short and you've got you know other very talented points there, the ability to play your lines, that gives you huge leeway. So it's not just about what Johnny Glynn does. Like Johnny Glynn in itself, what a luxury. But what that does to the entire team and to the opposition is also important, like how that impacts them. So on that team, I think Jeff has a point. Like I think it, it really does, it disrupts an opposition massively when you have the ability to, to mix it whenever way you like, effectively. Brings up Billy Tanyan as well, too. Which is, yeah, which is a luxury again in itself, yeah. Yeah, no, so that group's going to get really interesting. I think it's the most group to be interested in. Just then, uh, so we've obviously touched on three and four, but in two and one, uh, the way the table sits there at the minute is Thomas is on top of four, Sherlock Moore in second with three, after their draw with Gort, which puts Gort on a point, and then Portumna um, on zero. Just before we touch on Thomas's and Portumna, uh, Sherlock Moore and Gort, Sherlock Moore leading 15-11, uh, Paddy Commons works the goal excellently. However, he can manage to keep the ball in his hand because those conditions in Kenny Park were absolutely horrendous. Then Aidan Helbert gets a, a a serious score under the conditions as well. But created by Paddy again. Paddy yeah, after the pass, yeah. But like Gord have went through a lot of turnover in the last few years, particularly losing Aidan Hart this year was a massive blow for them for him to retire. And it's it's a young team, but like. This results now, like they do have a lot of superior goal difference to, to Portona, but they obviously still have to play them. 
but this could really kickstart your season. Yeah, it could. Um, it could. Um, I start with the positives here. So, like, I, I, I agree with you. I think what that result would do from a from a morale perspective is massive. Um, I thought, you know, like some of the uh, some of the other players, like Ben O'Donovan now, for example, the the wing back. I thought had a thundering game. Like, really, uh, was just a complete rock. I was interested to see what they're doing with Keenan Higgins, kind of playing as a like dropping into that as a fourth halfback, not necessarily a sweeper because he was still kind of pushing on as well. But I thought that was that was really clever. And yeah, as you mentioned, this goes back to the idea, by the way, of what we mentioned earlier. You know, sometimes you play that long ball, and all it takes is one guy to kind of have the the know-how, which is what happened for that goal, to stick stick outside the rock, just wait, hope the ball will break kindly for you. It does manage to get it up, swings onto his left hand side. He's got you know, a defender thundering across. I think it's that is it that was coming across, trying to throw his full body instead of managed to, to stick it into the bottom corner. Like all of that was was uh, you know very very impressive. Uh, I would say though, Paul, like the uh, there's no getting away from that last passage, which to me, I like Sean Alan, You could see it visibly was fuming at the end of this yeah. game, like, raging. And I think he, I think he's the case. I I have to be honest. Like I do think that last ball. I to me, look, and I watched this game on stream. I wasn't there, so maybe it's just a, you've only got one camera angle. It looks like there's a you know, a punch in the throat there. Like, does it definitely dropped hurl, and he definitely raised his hand up to to an oncoming defender. That's, I think, if unless the draws in the back of your mind, that is a free out ninety nine percent of the time. That's I I I just think you. Now, don't get me wrong. Like the manner they, they pulled it back was so incredible, and uh, and as you mentioned, like Hellebert, there's st- in the, you know, I know you mentioned to finish with a goal. I thought that point and you know, to do that in that scenario was equally impressive, but. I, I can fully understand why in that one passage alone, Tullochmore would be would be stewing because uh I I you could make a case just before that as well, the turnover in the corner on Chalk seat. I I kind of that was a free as well. Like so I I do think they probably I, I can understand why any player would be as angry as as Sean appeared to be. Again, I just I I wasn't there, so this is you're all just judging off off the stream here. Yeah, and Turlock obviously decisions will frustrate them there, but they were. It was probably they're probably seeping into being a bit pissed off because like they had that game on so many occasions and they just they just left court hanging in and even as you talk about there Lenan like he was obviously pissed off towards the end and there was a bit of holding him back and stuff but he was he was livid and I th- I think the Terlock players were probably livid as well not putting it to bed. Yeah, I'm. You're and look, that's yeah, that's a great point, Paul. Actually, like it probably it, it could arguably be. As much frustration with the the fact that it, it you know we conspired to let it slip as it could be with any decision like it, it, the the whole circumstances of, of you know going from the moment that they went to it was McDonough wasn't it who hit that their, their last point to yeah, again had, had a thundering game in midfield like I, they're spying actually like from Fahey on there's Fahey Burke Burke uh, I, I McDonough in midfield at the next game John uh, Lennon and Quirk like they've got a very strong really talented spine which is Nine tenths of the battle in, in in club Ireland, so maybe you're right. Or maybe it is the the manner of from hitting the front, from kicking on, from looking really good to uh, a goal that again is probably a, a difficult one to plan for. The ball just breaks on kindly, and then a, a final point, which, as I said, I think you you would be merited to feel frustrated about the manner of that. Same time of Darren O'Shaughnessy, something to beat the Charlotte more players with now for the next week or two, like playing Thomas's. Whoever wins this gets the top spot in the quarterfinal. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they'll bottle that. And I, I would say, you know, amidst all that frustration after the game, I think that the immediate point is, and that's the, the because of the nature of these groups, I think that's the first thing you get into a dressing room, just, you know, dismiss it. I wouldn't be one but surprised to hear of, of a couple of clubs who might play a challenge game this weekend, I would say, just to, you know, get it out of the system. We're, we're that we're, That's put to bed, we're moving on, we're thundering into this final group game. So, yeah, I'm sure that's... Uh, I'm sure it was probably referenced afterwards, but I don't know necessarily how much it will carry over for, for the next few weeks. The other game, uh, St. Thomas's 331, Bartum 210. Anyone who is stupid enough to have doubts about St. Thomas <laughs> this year, it's just it's been put to bed because like you were looking at that you were looking at that game at halftime and you're saying it's tight, but to come out and do what they scored in the second half, they're just it's remarkable. Yeah, they're like this, and this is. I remember we were out in Lockray for, I'd say it was the sponsorship launch for Galway GA. Um, last the first week of December, the intercounty was just coming back, and Henry was there anyway. And, um, and you know, David Burke was there, but he had spent a couple of days celebrating and wasn't talking to the media as a result. But Henry was there, and I remember somebody asked him, like, what just a general question, what do you make of the St. Thomas story? Like, just the what this club have achieved, the fact that they're drawn history. And, I mean, immediately, he just, and he, you know, he's a guarded enough guy and would kind of keep his guys close to his chest, but immediately just kind of completely lauded all of that intangible stuff, like their spirit, their the character of that club, the, what they pulled from. Uh, he went on to actually, he drew the comparison between his, his Ballyhale and the club he grew up in and St. Thomas's. He said that there was hugely aligned in the way they played each other. It had specific plots. This, this was after the, the replay that final last year, bear in mind. So he really had stiff balls for for Conor Cooney and what he had done too. But I I think there was that really registered me in terms of the like as a away from the way they heard like just the the fact that they have this like incredible ability to keep going. A manager who is constantly reinventing himself, who seems to have and you'd say say the appetite for learning, uh, is trying to regenerate as a wrong team. But it's like a small little tweak every single season that kicks them on. Like they're just yeah they're an incredible. Like, Edinburgh Club, and that was the point they're trying to make earlier. By the way, that's how it is. So it's nearly it's, it's everyone trying. It's everyone trying to get to their level of grounding games out, having the know-how in the latter stages. It's just what, but every club, every club's always trying to win the Tom Downland. But you talk about spirit there and everything they have. That's what every club's trying to get to. Yeah, exactly, and that's you know, as I said earlier, I, th- I think that is a given in inter-county hurling, maybe not necessarily always a given in, in club hurling, something you're trying to trying to forge, and especially when players are coming and going, it's harder to, to create that bond, but when you have it, and you see it in, in Thomas's now, like, it, when, when you have it, it's it's unbreakable, and it is, that that's why I found this, like, I just don't know how you could, when you've seen it, a front of your eyes so many times, you've seen a club backs to the wall in really close games, and they consistently manage to dig it out, and they have a cause too, by the way, Paul, I'm, I'm not saying that this is anything that they would discuss internally but I would say and just having covered that game last year the manner of their semi-final loss I'd say was a sickener like I I do think that uh, and, and you know like you would give full credit to, to, to both teams involved in that game but I do think that Thomas would have felt they sold themselves short on the day and that maybe there's just there's something to put right there too I'm not saying that that is that's something they would speak about internally, but that, even just the thought of that in the back of your mind is uh, is a powerful resource. Yeah, even Joe, Joe Canning uh, said, look, really impressive for Bartum there too in this club championship, really impressive at Thomas's. 
with Thomas's though, people are talking about David Burke's injury and he's a big blow. But it's almost like they've got a new player back now with Shane Cooney. Yeah, so I yeah, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I don't know if you remember before the final last year the talk was would is Shane Cooney fit and is Morgan fit for uh yeah. And uh I remember thinking with the you know the greatest respect in the world, what like I, I Shane Cooney is a bigger loss because they probably don't net aid well they don't have the resources and like I you know second but that's just what happens when you've got small clubs that you're very reliant on, on key individuals but also I do think that uh, a player like that you know the, the idea of carrying a, a hamstring injury it, you need kind of because of the nature of his game you need a run like you need you need a bank of work there it's not like something that you know even I don't know if you watched the Jack Grealish seems to be carrying his shoulder a good bit last weekend but that's something that you kind of try and play around and try and manage with a hamstring you're on the precipice every single time. Like you don't know that that the thought of it going in the back of your mind every single minute. If you're carrying that, I think is massive. So to get a clean bank of health into him is like that is just massive, and that's you know, that's the nature of the season too. Another guy who I'd say maybe has aspiration to kick on with Galway and to to put that right as well. So yeah, that's you know there's no getting away from that. That's a that's a huge addition. And just on the like David Burke is a massive loss. Don't get me wrong, but. It's very evident in whatever walk in every team he's involved in that he is a huge off-pitch contribution as well. Like the, the stuff we're talking about here in terms of spirit and leadership. And I even remember actually it was one thing he, he when he did an interview with you uh, a couple of months ago, if anybody has listened to that, they should go back and listen to that. It was a thing that he seemed to put value in itself is the idea of not just of being of acting like a hurler, like what that actually means, what what you know, what it what it takes to be at that top level. And that's all still there. Like they didn't lose that. They didn't lose the which again, as we said earlier, that's I'm not okay, it's not as equally as important, but it's still a hugely important thing to have. So his presence alone, even though he's not on the field, is still a very important thing for St. Thomas's. Yeah, it, it, it like they really look like they're gonna be head stopped again um this year. They, they'll, they'll be there, like and between them and Sherlock now, whoever wins that, um is obviously going to get the top spot and straight into a quarterfinal. So it'll be huge and it's a game to look forward to too. If I was on Clarenbridge, I'd be absolutely sick. Like <laughs> just the manner of the goal, the ball's in the half back line. It's almost like it's gone into half of a rook and then the ball somehow pops over to Clarenbridge uh defence and Luke Linsky gets onto it and a remarkable finish to win it but like we were saying on the podcast last week they need to be wary of Climber Daily because they're one of the sides that relish being these underdogs but the way the way they just stole that like is huge yeah no it, I, the two elements of that I do think that sometimes it, it, it looked very lucky for you know, for the ball to arrive to Luke the way it did but you still have to finish it like you still you know this, that's not the job done but yeah you almost said like it low he almost he had a lot of time to think about it and there's so much space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You nearly have yeah, you you can't yeah, you nearly freeze with the amount of time that you have over it that that there's a bunch of different uh, different options here. That's why, you know, part of me was kind of wondering with the like I, I do I agree with you, Paddy's finish was incredible for Gort, but like what else is he gonna like in that situation? Get the ball up and pull on it. Like that's you know, that's what's going through your head. It's a it's a ball that's breaking across to you, you're in your hand for a, like what is it? A fraction of a second. Whereas if you've got more time, that can be the enemy too. But yeah, on on your point, and I think I actually Clarence Bridge. I know Nine Morning is involved there as well. Like I think they're another 
they strike me as a very well-coached team and that sometimes the breaks will just go against you. And that was the point I was making earlier, Paul. Like you could, that's why I do think you just you just have to chalk that one down. Like it is just, it's totally cruel. It's absolute, complete and utter sickener. But there's an element of two that doesn't let it slide. But yeah, like, you know, you say you'd be sick if you're Canterbury. I would say they, it seemed pretty apparent that they were completely sick by, by the manner of it, yeah. They, they can obviously still recover here, though. So it's not it's not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. Like, because Ormore Murray now and Clamber Daly, that's actually first versus second. So Cambridge can still get in to top spot here. And they're still gonna be they're still gonna be one of the challengers this year. Oh, like yeah. Jesus, is there any thought about that? Yeah. Um yeah, and I suppose yeah, that's a really interesting point, Paul. And I think it's something that we're gonna become conscious of, not for Lockbray and Thomas, definitely not. But one thing to watch as the year goes on is uh, a reaction to a loss. Part of the, the benefit of a format like this is that there's huge learning available from... You, you, you will never, as an any, anybody involved, I'm sure you know this yourself, anyone involved in any club, any team at any level will tell you this, you learn way more from a loss than you do from, from any win. Like you do, it is, that is invaluable. And it'll be really interesting to see how teams react and the teams that improve on that basis that come back from uh, and you know this is there any better example of this uh, at least in my mind than Limerick the reaction after the, the Clare game this year that to start to move back to their, their key hitters or did a bit of experiment and run in the middle and just you know got, went from strength to strength to strength and so I, I do think that part of the benefit of a, a, a that because it's not you know that cutthroat nature that you just have the two there's a, a huge opportunity to to chalk it down to to take what you can from it, to do a proper kind of, you know, a cold, deep dive on it, and then to utilise that, that that could actually be a benefit for a team. The team actually was a benefit for, you could say, then, in the other game in that group, Ormore Mary, Beth, Tommy Deckers, 221-17. They got, they conceded three goals against Cambridge in the Oakland game. They obviously conceded no goals, and, like, even just going by reports in the game, they looked really, really defensively secure from that, and, They've improved. They put themselves back in second and put themselves back into contention. But if there's ever a young player to get excited about, it's Ormore Murray's Rory Burke. He got two goals at the weekend. Now he's he's. We all know he's one of these minors that there's going to be a lot talked about. But the the excitement has to be there for this player. Yeah, uh, is it? Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, and I think you know I met a man from Ormore before the championship, and he was signaling out to me that there's a guy in the corner playing for us today. You better watch him. So the club. The club knew he was coming. You've got Hanafi in the other corner, who's always good for a few scores as well. There's probably this. There's two things for me. Like, the excitement about Rory Burke is justified. Uh, and this, you know, and again, I, I, I didn't see this game, so just good enough reports. But it does, like, there is, there does seem to be an element with Niall Burke where it's, yeah. I haven't gone away here. Like, don't, you know, don't, you know, I still, I can still mix it until capable at this level. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss that, to be honest. I do think you, you could put stock in. There is, we're talking about, I mean... He's very good against Clambridge too in the first game. I was, exactly, I was about to say that, yeah. So uh, that, 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 and the point I was making at the very start, you can't have it both ways. Like you can't be lauding the standard of senior hurling and then say it doesn't matter from what that means going down the line. So I do think you have to put, when you see a performance like that, you see a guy hitting double digit points, you have to put stock in that. Like that that matters, that is that is impressive. And then, you know, on the other side, from an our perspective to have, you know, McInerney at the back, and I, he scored as well, I think. Uh, yeah. But but just in terms of from a density, there's a nice balance to that too. So, yeah, I think that that all bodes nicely. 
just on Conrad Haley, we, we've talked about opportunities that there's going to be for some of these sides that have come through that maybe mightn't have been expected, but the momentum and belief like that can do now for Conrad Daly. Like Conrad Daly are one game away from booking their place straight into a quarterfinal. Yeah, and that's, I think, the validation, they've won more last, don't they? So I think the, yeah. what you would get, like the, the, that, you know, just from a um, a confidence perspective, to, to get through that would be would be absolutely invaluable. And that in itself is a fairly attractive matchup too. Like there's, you know, if you're being selected about games you want to see in last, last weekend, there'll be no shortage of drama in that game either. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I do think there's, you know, and that, I would say, Paul, if you were in a, you know, a lot of clubs now will talk about teaming. Like, they, you know, they might not necessarily say it outright, but you talk about the building an idea of what you want it to be about. And if you're looking at that game from a climate aid perspective, you're looking at you know, coming up against Omar, you're saying, what an opportunity this is for you. Like, let's, can you, what, are we, what we're on the, the, episode, the edge of here, being, you know, one of the few undefeated teams in Gullet Championship Ireland coming out that weekend and, and making a statement, validating our last two games. I think that's, yeah, that's it. There's no order where to describe it then an opportunity. Yeah, just just Van Lathan's like injuries haven't helped them. Uh, Ronan Murphy ret- returned. Uh, Jason Flynn's still out. It's not it's not trying to be disrespectful for, about them at all, but just you you know well if they had all their players, they would be competing. Um, but it's just um, caught up with them. Now they still have a possibility of getting through, but I think they have to beat Cambridge by ten points in the final game. Um, there so. Uh, that's already on the senior action. Uh, just on the senior B action in Group One, the Mullier on top four points, Haskra second four points, Mellows and uh, they're on two points in third. Athenarion zero and look like um, they're Athenarion are going to be in a relegation battle, which is um, hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like that game at the weekend, Mellows and Athenarion. It was it was a game where there was so much at stake, but. Mullia then they've looked one of the foreign teams to make the jump back up here. Yeah, like yeah, I did. the Meadows at game just to start with that one is like uh is kind of remarkable and you know Meadows are there no no shortage of of issues, I suppose you could say. Um but to, to turn around the way they did is, is very impressive. And now to think about like to think about Ashton Roy on the, the edge of relegation is kind of is is ridiculous, like, and again, just I suppose maybe another testament to how competitive this championship is and how things can, you know, get a red card the first day out, and then that slides away from you, and then suddenly you meet a team who are absolutely hopping after their own uh, fairly convincing loss and determined to, to put that right, and you're you're looking at the you look back to the wall sort of stuff, um, and yeah, just from a yeah, from a multiple perspective again, you're, you're going on form. I haven't actually frustrated maybe slightly, but the, the nature is that I haven't seen enough as much of them as I would have liked, but. Uh, looking on paper, it's hard to pick all any hose and look like you know right ready. That, and another thing about this as well is that those teams, and this is true actually in in, in both codes, the teams are kind of on either side of that kind of the edge of the top end of intermediate and the lower end of senior. Like they're right able to mix it with each other. Those teams are kind of closely bracketed. The point that I was making at the start is that it's the top teams and the rest where there's a bit of a stretch. But those teams there, they're all you know, there's very little between any of them. Like there's no there's there's no one who will tell me that. Whoever comes up out of this is automatically going to go back down because they're well able to mix it at that level as well. Yeah, and then in the other group, uh, you had Bear beating Port Pierce is 21 to 114, and uh, Kilnadima uh, beating Climber 321 17. So the way that table sits now is Kilnadima on top of four, Bear in second, uh, two, Climber uh, on joint points, uh, third place uh, on two points, and then Port Pierce is on the bottom with zero. 
if you're looking at form here, Molya have obviously been the form team in the other group, but then on the other side, it really has been Kinladim Malikian. Oh, big time, yeah. Yeah, big, big time. And I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose, yeah, like, part of, part of the nature of this is that you're kind of, um, you're trying to, I I don't think, you know, necessarily management itself would be in this thought process, but you're trying to time your run to a certain extent that, uh, and I would say there's certain clubs who are kind of conscious of this, that maybe you, you don't necessarily want to peak in, in August, but this, suddenly you've kind of, you've built a wave of momentum and you know there's more to come. Like you bought both of those and you've got the, the ideal combination. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be vital for Port Pearce to get back on track. But even with Kilnadima, there's so much inter-county underage experience there. And even as the lads were saying last weekend, they, there's a lot of people tipping Kilnadima to go all the way here. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Just an intermediate then, and down as stole it late against Turlock. Uh, two goals from Matthias Coleman. They went about 218 to 21. And the other game in that group, Caramore and Cylon, and um, that takes place uh, tonight uh, in Tune Stadium as we are recording the podcast at the minute. Uh, then just in Group 2, uh, Cranbridge 2-7, Rahoon 22. A big, big win there for Rahoon. Uh, Kid Vacancy getting over Kiltormer 1-9 uh, to 1-7. In Group 3 then in the Intermediate Hurling Championship, uh, Milgaricourt 21 points. Uh, Ballygare 13, Abinak Moy 216, uh, Crockwell 111, and then in uh, Group 4 of the Intermediate Hurling Championship, we had uh, Tina Abbott and Irish 325 on Spiddale 10 points, and Kim Barrett 23 points, Ballon 118, Connor really an instrumental there, uh, Kim Barrett um, coming out on top of that local derby. Mars, just on the Intermediate, is there any hurlers or teams that have that so I, 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 you mentioned it there that Rahoon result is massive um, yeah. and uh, I, Aaron Brannigan is back as well I think this week uh, yeah. which is uh, which again is a, is a huge addition so that's more than nicely probably a club who um, I would say would have their own frustrations about the way last year ended like there was a they were right in that semi-final wasn't it and then uh, a very uh, I'd say a very um a very difficult situation to manage when you get there's a kind of a serious injury on the pitch and you're trying to manage lads' mentalities and all that sort of thing, and then suddenly you miss a penalty and it slides away from you. But like they're you know they're still there thereabouts. Probably took them longer than they would have liked to get a manager. I would I've said in the off season, but you know, they've got JP O'Connell in there now, who's a very highly regarded coach and is excellent. And plus you throw in the fact that you know uh, Brannigan is back as well. That I'd say that all that bodes nicely, Paul. Could you see them? Going all the way this year. Yeah, it's a good question. Like, like I, I think they've got, they've got all the wrongs. Every single year with a club like her, who you're, you're just, you're, you're one step away, and there's something small that you know you're, you're really close. And then John Henry goes traveling for a, a while, and I know his his younger brother Colin Henry, who's been a brilliant defender for Rahoon for the last couple of years now, also spent time time away, but he's back as well. So it's again, it's all about you just trying to mesh that all together. Like, there's no doubt, and they've got their. They, you know, you've got your stalwarts, guys who've been in that club for, for years, like like Tony Oak, obviously, or, or, or Andy Dunn, but you throw it, you mix that with it as well, and that all that, that all factors in too. So it just all it is, they've all the they have all the raw materials necessary. It just it's about trying to get all that to, to click, I suppose. It's just so hard, I find here when you're talking about intermediate and you just Gene Abdullah rack up a score like that again, and the man they have there, the hello, and everyone's back. 
I know that group probably is a bit more like they've beaten Kimbara and Spitzel really, really well. They're already through now. It looks like into straight into the quarterfinals. It's it'd be interesting to see with just Jason back who's going to challenge Tina and then probably meet a Gerko at last year's county finalists are coming behind them. Yeah, and that's the thing, and I suppose that's the. You know, you so you like. I think every year there's a bar. Like, does it? Does a and you mentioned earlier actually about Thomas's, which is a good point too. Like, there's the team that you're kind of looking at, and that's the that's the circle around. You know, that's the one you're you're kind of putting the dot on. You're saying that's where if, if we can get there. Geez, there's real validation about that. So you know, hunted versus hunted, uh, hunters versus hunted type of thing. But yeah, like in terms of what that means for a championship, it's hard to say. Like it's, it, and that's why it, it probably would take. Like it would take an apps, you know, we talk about the Rahun's example there. Like it would take everything that they all, all that round here coming together collectively to to upset that. It's not just going to happen, you know, without without all of that firing together. So it, it's that's it's kind of it's lightning the bottle sort of stuff really that you're you're trying to get. But um, yeah, that's the that, that's the bar, and that goes back to the point you made earlier about the the standard of hurling as well. Yes, obviously, as I mentioned there, there's two games uh, in Intermediate tonight as we're recording. Cylon, Caramore, that's going to be a really interesting game. And then uh, the other game as well between... On Spittle, uh, yeah. Yeah, and Balderine. So it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting there to see how both of them games unfold. That's all we have on our Hurling podcast uh, for today. Uh, thanks again to everyone for listening and thanks to Marsh for coming on.